As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After failing to reach 500 for the third time this year, our beloved enter the fourth quarter of the season, looking to return to the playoff hunt with the Washington Redskins standing in their way as the first hurdle back in. Can the Bears rebound, or will the Redskins scalp their playoff hopes for good? Mike Carrar from Hogshaven.com joins us on the Week 14 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So here we are entering the fourth quarter of this season, the 2015 campaign, and we begin with the Washington Redskins to see how our beloved will finish out this very, very interesting season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 14 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we will have Mike Carrar from hogshaven.com on SB Nation. Uh, he will be on the show a little bit uh, later on. Had a great talk with him uh, yesterday, uh, last night, actually, on Wednesday night, uh, talking about the Bears and the Redskins, the matchup, the state of the Redskins, which has actually been quite the interesting story. We talk about the RG3 because the last time we talked to him, it was, you know, RG3 was the uncontested starter going into training camp. And then it wasn't very deep into training camp where the wheels just came off for RG3 and Jay Gruden had no reason to go with management anymore and decided that, you know, Kirk Cousins is my guy, was my guy, will always be my guy, and not only announced would he be the starter uh, for week one, but he's the starter for 2015. So God forbid Kirk Cousins gets hurt. When he's done being hurt, he's going to be the starter again. That's that's the the statement that that Jay Gruden was making, maybe unequivocally. RG three is not my quarterback, is what he was telling uh, the rest of the world. So we talk about that uh, for a bit, and um, you know the thing that kind of concerns me about the Washington Redskins is, you know, they're they're not as as dominant, but or don't have the potential to be, I should say, but. They are somewhat like the Washington, or excuse me, the the St. Louis Rams. Uh, remember the, the whole week that we talked about the Rams. The term that I kept using was schizophrenic because you didn't know which team was going to show up. Like I, I had a feeling, a solid feeling that the Bears would win that game. I, I thought I felt good about our chances going into St. Louis. But as I told you guys, I thought it would either be a game where the Bears win another close one. Or St. Louis stomps the Bears into the ground like they did the last time we went down there in 2013. So it was uh, it was a tough call uh, to make. And the more I look at the Redskins, the the more I have similar concerns. Uh, but the opposite from from the concerns that we had with with St. Louis, the the Redskins aren't as lethal on the defensive side of the ball. They're solid, but they're they're not as lethal. 
with that defensive line that the that the Rams have and uh, you know, just all the playmakers and draft picks they have on that side of the football made them extremely dangerous on the defensive side. But a few big plays from the Bears in that one neutralized the, the defensive unit uh, of St. Louis and therefore neutralized the offense as the Bears coasted to a rather easy victory. Um, another thing you'll hear me cover with Mike, something's got to give here between these two teams because the Bears are a 1-5 team at home. The Redskins are 0-5 on the road, so something is going to give. Either the Redskins are going to get their first road victory of the season or the Bears are going to finally get their second home victory of the year. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, granted, you know, three out of our first four games were in Soldier Field against the Packers, against the, uh, the Cardinals. We lost a game we should have won against the Vikings, Another one that we should have won against Denver. So quality of opponent, as you hear me say a little bit later on, has factored into it. Obviously, quality of opponent had nothing to do with the Bears losing last week. But uh, that's another story for a show we've already done. So we won't go back on that. But, you know, it's um, it sucks that the Bears are one and five at home, but not completely surprising considering the home schedule that we had this year i would definitely say that the weaker side of our schedule has been on the road aside from uh maybe seattle and kansas city because they're bears at home no pun intended um you know kansas city and seattle two of the more notoriously tough game places to play in the league but we had detroit on the road we had san diego st louis i mean we beat green bay that was awesome but you know as far as our road schedule is concerned it was definitely an easier road to hoe uh, on the road than it has been at home, especially when you factor in the uh, the quality of opponent, uh, you know, on the on the, uh, the the road and home side of of the schedule. So, um, but like I said, something's got to give. So somebody's either gonna, you know, either Bears are gonna finally get their second home victory of the season, or the Redskins are gonna get their first road win of the year. So much like the 49ers did last week, that was their first victory away from uh, Levi Stadium in 2015 so hopefully that's a trend that the bears break uh on sunday but you even hear mike harar say in the interview it'll be interesting to see which team shows up which team will show up for the redskins will it be the uh explosive offensive unit that put 40 plus points up uh, a couple of weeks ago against the uh against the saints or will it be the team that a week later could only muster 16 points uh, against the Panthers while Carolina put up nearly 50 uh, on them you know what uh, I mean obviously we're talking about two different two very different football teams there in Carolina and New Orleans two teams going in very different directions in 2015 but you see the comparison it's just uh, one week they're blowing somebody out the next week they're getting absolutely blown out of the water uh, by someone else and um you know, this is a team that started off the year losing a game to the Miami Dolphins only to rebound the week later and stomp the St. Louis Rams uh, into the into the ground. You know, this is a team that has a home victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, this year. So, uh, you know, it's and coincidentally, just because the division and we will talk about the division as a whole uh, for a bit as well. Um, the Redskins are a first place team actually coming into Soldier Field uh, on Sunday. Even though they are five and seven, the the rest of the NFC least as it's being uh, you know goofily called at this point in the season, three teams sitting at five and seven. Somehow the Redskins hold the tiebreaker over them both, 
and uh, with the Cowboys at four and eight, only a game out of the whole thing, which is just ridiculous. I mean, that's how sad the NFC East is this year. The Cowboys, while Romo was out, lost seven games in a row. And at this point in the season, even with a seven-game losing streak sitting in the middle of their schedule, they're only one game out of the playoffs and the winning a division title. So that's how screwed up uh, that uh, division is. But before we get over to uh, talking to uh, Mike Carrara, it was great to have him back. We had a really fun uh, conversation uh, with him. Got some bear business to cover. Uh, we'll dive into this into the injury report first because it kind of feeds into the other big story uh, that I have uh, that I want to uh, uh, address. I mean, some uh, some exciting possibilities uh, for the Bears uh, if it all comes true uh, for us. And um, you know, so we, we talk about the injury report here, and um, Sam Acho. Uh, nursing a shoulder injury has been limited this week and on Wednesday and Thursday. Shea McClellan was limited on Wednesday with an ankle injury. Full go today on Thursday. Uh, Zach Miller has been limited with rib injuries. Tracy Porter limited with an ankle. Uh, Antero did not practice Wednesday but was limited on Thursday. He says he plans to play on Sunday, which uh, hopefully will be a boost for the secondary. Not that they've been a liability this year, but – Obviously, they were on that one play uh, in overtime where we lost the game. Maybe if we have a veteran like Antro Roll out there, we don't miss the call and we get it right and Torrey Smith doesn't smoke us for 71 yards. You know, obviously hindsight 2020 and, and so on and so forth, but you never know with, with, a, with, an, Ant, with an Antro Roll out there, a 10-year veteran, uh, you know, calling the, calling the plays on the field like there, you know, it's a good chance we don't miss the, uh, miss the call to uh, – you know, get be in the right position because that's one thing. We may be shallow on talent in some positions this year, but the Bears have been coached so well by Fangio and by Gase and such that we're very rarely, especially on the defensive side, very rarely out of place. The the two plays that we gave up to the 49ers, the 44-yard run from Gabbert, the 71-yard touchdown uh, pass to, to end the game, have been such a rarity this year those are actually like the two biggest plays we've given up all season um you know in that football game because the bears have 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 not been caught with their pants down giving up those huge plays like we did a year ago uh you know with mel tucker uh calling the shots fangio if if nothing else always has his guys where they're supposed to be to prevent us from being gutted like that over and over again like we were in 2000 and and uh and 14 but you know, like I said, having a veteran presence like Antro Roll, because our safeties were Adrian Amos, a fifth-round rookie draft choice from this year, and Chris Przinski, who um, I think maybe he's got two years in the league at the most, but this is like his first starting action of seeing like actual real playing time. So he's essentially a rookie himself. Not a lot of experience in the safety position uh, back there. So, uh, you know, Tracy Porter, who was on the opposite side of the field, if I'm not mistaken, was the most veteran presence out there because then you have Brzezinski at safety, Amos at safety, and Fuller, another second-year player at corner uh, in that play. Not a lot of experience in the secondary on that play, and I'm saying that maybe having a guy like Andrew Roll in the lineup would have been uh, helpful in, in helping us avoid uh, that, uh, that mental blunder that cost the Bears uh, the game on Sunday. So that's my long-winded uh, explanation that Antro Roll is likely to play on Sunday against the Redskins and uh, Eddie Royal 
Remember him? He is still on the team, for those of you who didn't know. Uh, we have mentioned him only once a week during injury reports. He actually practiced this week, first time since October, because he's been out since November 1st when he injured his knee against the uh, the Vikings when the Bears insisted in the first two quarters on running that uh, bubble screen that our opponents see coming from a mile away and were killing it and killed Eddie Royal's knee uh, in the process. He is likely to play on Sunday. Uh, the only two that did not practice today were Marquise Wilson, still nursing that foot injury that he suffered in practice last week, and Pernell McPhee uh, nursing the knee injury that's been nagging him pretty much all season. So um, in other injury news... The Bears took a blow uh, in the tight end uh, position this week when they decided to put Martellus Bennett on injured reserve with their rib injury. So, I mean, he suffered the injury, I think, two weeks ago, uh, two, three weeks ago against uh, Denver. Suffered rib injury in that game. Uh, did not play against Green Bay. Was back in time for, or did he suffer it against St. Louis? Either way, he missed a game uh, or two. And... Um, you know, came back last week against the uh, the 49ers where it was re-aggravated, re-aggravated the uh, injury, and the only thing that really can heal a rib injury is time and rest. And when you're entering the last four weeks of the season, you don't have uh, a lot of – you don't have the luxury of either at this point. So, you know, you can only rest for so long, and, and time is, uh, is running out. Time waits for no man, as they say. And, uh, unfortunately, those are the factors that led us to putting – Martellus Bennett on injured reserve, so his 2015 season is now over. Just kind of puts the cap on the year as far as the Bears and their receiving core, whether it be tight ends or actual wide receivers, just in and out of the lineup all year long. I mean, I I don't even I don't even think we've ever had the unit at full strength this year. I mean, if if it if it happened, it was brief. You know, it was very brief because Alshon was hurt for a while. Eddie Royal's been in and out. Marquise Wilson, you know, got hurt in the – I mean, all three of them got hurt in the preseason at one point. Uh, you know, Zach Miller's been in and out of the uh, out of the lineup. And, you know, Martellus Bennett, obviously, you know, it's like the only healthy people are the, are, the, are, the, um, are the receivers, you know, no disrespect, but not the guys that you want to have out there. I mean, they're out there to add depth to the position – but mostly they're on the roster to be special teams players like Cameron Meredith, like Mark Mariani, like Josh Bellamy. These are the guys that, uh, you know, were like our starting receivers against the Seattle Seahawks week three and and things like that. Now, granted, Mariani has really started pulling his weight, being kind of the Wes Welker of this offense. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, if it wasn't for his return abilities, Mariani doesn't make this team. You know what I mean? If we were just trying to keep him on the team as a receiver at the be- going into the beginning of the season, that's just not something that would have been a possibility uh, and, and whatnot. So, so we lose Martellus Bennett. We did, re- we did sign another tight end. Uh, forgive me. I, I've, I moved. I changed the page. I don't remember what the guy's name was. He has, uh, he has some experience. Um, his, his stats were impressive. I think he had like 100 catches for over 1,000 yards in his tenure uh, in the NFL. I mean, that's 10 yards a catch. That's pretty good uh, for a tight end. And um, so I don't know if he'll – if he's, I know he's on the 53-man roster. Um, so, um, But that promotes Zach Miller as our number one tight end. Hopefully his ribs 
will allow him to be effective as we go forward in these last four games. Now, this also ties into the most exciting news that I have uh, about our injury department. I did ask uh, Jeff Dickerson uh, on Twitter going into it because of all the talk about Kevin White. It's been a lot of talk ever since the Bears activated him that, uh, you know, John Fox came out the other day and said his leg is healed, or I believe his leg is is healed and he's he's good. He participated in 11-on-11, so he's not just doing position drills anymore, and he's not on the injury report. He's not on the injury report. I mean, he's not actually technically on the 53-man roster yet, but, um, you know, there is a chance, there's an outside chance the Bears may activate him to play on Sunday against the Redskins. Now, you call it what you want. Maybe it's desperation because we are so banged up and, and hungry for for pass catchers. But, um, you know, I asked Jeff, how's it looking for White now? Everything I'm reading indicates he's going to play some this year. And then Jeff got back to me yesterday, or earlier today, I should say. I think he's looked better than expected ever since they activated him. It is trending that way now. So this is a guy that's, that's like, you know, when we talked to him uh, during the bye week, he was on his way to Hallis Hall. So if anybody knows – he knows it's a great resource for the show to have uh, when he has the time to get back to us. So I thank him for uh, for returning that uh, for me. You know, the beat writer of ESPN, the guy that follows the team, is saying that it's, it's definitely trending in a positive way that we might actually see our first-round pick take the field. And one of the rumors that I read earlier today was that it could happen this week. We might see Kevin White play against the Washington Redskins. And, you know... This kind of works perfectly in John Fox's favor. Talk about a guy that is that makes Lovey Smith look like a fun and joyous guy when it comes to injury news or not giving the opponent a competitive advantage with too much information. Um, you know, it would not be surprising for me at all to hear sometime early Sunday morning that Kevin White has been activated uh, when the um, when the forty six man roster for game day is uh, is released. So. Uh, maybe the Bears will be forced to have to make the move before that, but it would give the Redskins no time whatsoever. Not that there's any film to watch on Kevin White. He didn't play any in the preseason or, or anything uh, like that, and obviously they're not going to get their hands on practice footage, so they're not going to know what to expect from White other than his game footage from his time in West Virginia. So there is a competitive advantage there. I mean, even if the Bears were to release it now and say Kevin White's going to play uh, on Sunday – the Redskins still got nothing to use to prepare for him uh, on Sunday. So, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I think at the very least we can expect to see him in Minnesota next week. I think that would be fun uh, to see how he does uh, does there. So, fingers crossed we might actually get to see the the gem, the jewel of our draft class perform uh, on, the, on the field this year before the season uh, wraps up I mean in in some cases because he wants to be out there and in other cases we need him out there just because we can't seem to keep a healthy wide receiving core on the field this year and having him out there definitely elevates the talent level or it should anyway uh, of what we have out there uh, on the field so fingers crossed that we get to see Kevin White to take the field uh, on Sunday uh, for our beloved Chicago Bears and if not this Sunday maybe next Sunday against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So uh, one one more thing before we wrap things up here for the news and notes segment, uh, before we get to our talk with Mike. Um, 
something that may or may not have been affecting Jay, because we all noticed he was kind of off uh, last week. Uh, his wife, Kristen Cavallari, uh, her brother went missing last week. Um, and um, unfortunately, you know, it's just something that they, 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 they declared him missing. He's out there in, in, I think, Utah, they said, I read. And um, they found him. Unfortunately, he's he's gone. So he's he passed away. Not really sure what happened. I mean, they found his car. Uh, the engine's still running with the airbags deployed. I think they said he went off the road into a ditch or something uh, like that. Uh, I read he, he had a history with alcohol problems uh, and such. He was detained by police a few days before he went missing because he was at a, a woman's house. They didn't say if he, she was an ex or anything like that uh, with a gun in his car. I don't know what the hell he was doing there. But, you know, he did pass away. You know, it's it's his wife's brother. So his brother-in-law uh, passed away. I don't know if they were close at all or, you know, sound like the guy had a bunch of problems. So maybe contact with with Kristen wasn't, you know, prevalent because of his uh, issues and whatnot. But that's still, you know, still your blood. That's still your family. And, um, you know, maybe Jay's distracted because his his wife is hurting right now. So. Maybe that had something to factor into where he was mentally uh, going into the game last week and maybe why he didn't play that great, or he just had a bad day. Hopefully um, something he can shake off in time for the game uh, this Sunday uh, and everything. But just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind uh, if, if, we, if Jay looks like he's a little off once again uh, against the Redskins. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing to be mentally tough, but when it comes to something like this, you can only be so tough. You know, if if he and his if his wife and her brother were close, then, you know, she's going to be taking this pretty hard. She's probably taking it hard anyway. But, you know, just something to keep in mind. So uh, if Jay doesn't have a great game, maybe not bag on him as hard as you normally would, because, you know, he's a he's a he's an actual human being with a life outside of football. And sometimes that life does get in the way. So just something to uh, to keep your uh, keep in the back of your mind, uh, you know, God forbid. Uh, things don't go our way on uh, on Sunday. So anyway, on that extremely high note, and I know you're all buzzed and, and super joyous after hearing something about somebody dying. Uh, we're going to get into our talk with uh, Mike Carrar from Hogshaven.com talking Bears Redskins week number 14. <laughs> And back with us once again to uh, preview this football game between the Bears and the Redskins on Sunday, week number 14. Mike Carrar, Hogshaven.com. Mike, welcome back to the Chicago Bears Review. I appreciate you having me on. So, Mike, let's uh, let's just dive right in. We're not going to beat around the bush here. What the hell happened on Monday night, man? I mean, this... Uh, I mean, I, I, I went... I, I'm, I'm in a, I don't do fantasy football, but I do the pick'em thing and i actually do confidence points on the pick em. i went heavy on the redskins because they had only lost one home game the very first one they'd won five in a row on the road you guys have the potential to put up points in bunches you have the cowboys who don't have a quarterback and yet you guys lost the game on on monday night so so what really happened there 
Well, uh, if you've watched any uh, recent Cowboys-Redskins games, um, you would probably know not to go heavy on either side. <laughs> I mean, this game was kind of a comeuppance in, uh, in a way of how the Redskins went into uh, Dallas last year with Colt McCoy. Um, you know, all signs pointed to the Cowboys having an easy game there, and the Redskins took that one. This year, everything was just set up perfectly for it. The Redskins were feeling good coming off the win last week. Uh, and then having a home game here where, you know, Dallas is coming down beaten, you know, down to their third string quarterback. Um, all signs pointed to what should have been a comfortable Redskins win. And because all signs pointed to that as a lifelong Redskins fan, I knew that was not going to be the case uh, because they never do what they are supposed to do. So it was um, it was a game, I think, where the Redskins uh, somewhat shot themselves in the foot. Um, I think a knock on Kirk Cousins here locally is that he can sometimes be a little too worried to go deep or he's he's just he's the confidence doesn't seem to be there. And what seemed to happen on Monday night was he got hit a few times early in the game. They got a couple sacks and you could just kind of see it in his eyes. He wasn't looking downfield as much and going more for those checkdowns early on in plays. And with just him playing that way, the offense just stalled out. Uh, of course, he had a couple killer penalties mixed in, which um, you know the Redskins are known to do. Um, you have a guy like a Jordan Reed, who's an amazing tight end, and it, it creates a matchup problem all over the field. But yet he leads the league in offensive penalties by a non-offensive line player with 10 penalties. Wow. So you know he had another one that kind of killed a drive. So there was a mix of factors, but you have to know with these two teams, whenever they get together, something crazy is going to happen. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the most exciting game, I would say, to watch in the first half. It picked up a little in the second half. But in the end, it turned out to be a typical game where you're back and forth and you never know how it's going to shake down. And one or two mistakes by one team makes in the end is the difference. And obviously the big mistake being at the end of the game or towards the end of the game with Deshaun Jackson – not only did he fumble on the on the punt return, but he did that after he backtracked for about 20 or so yards. It, like he advanced the ball about seven or eight yards, I think they said, and then he ran back like 20, 20-something 20 yeah. yards and, and ran into a wall of defenders. And not only did yeah. he run into this wall of defenders, he coughed up the football in the process that right. set up a, a go-ahead touchdown for the Cowboys. I mean, with the Sean Jackson, you're going to get the good mixed in with the bad. I mean, he's a very confident player. He's a fast player. He's probably faster than you know ninety five percent of the other players out on the field, and he wants to make that play. So I don't necessarily. I'm not. I wasn't um, either even upset that he made that effort. Well, what you have to do there really though is just make sure you're handling the ball and keeping it safe. And um, he even admitted after the game, you know, that was on him. He, I, I was actually surprised uh, in the sense that he was, you know, very. Um, at the end, he, you know, he, he took full responsibility. And not that I'm surprised he would do that, but you know, that doesn't seem to be his reputation. He's a me guy. That's what's floated out there. Um, he was very contrite. And you know, he said, hey, i got to take care of the ball. That one's on me. And he's just trying to make a play. I mean, he's a guy that won a game once with the Eagles um, you know, with a last-second punt return. And you know that that was in the back of his mind, thinking, okay, what can I do here? Uh, I mean, right after that happened, he ended up catching um, a, a game-tying touchdown. So he did make up for it a little bit. But uh, in the end, the Redskins need him. Uh, if without him in the offense, it is a much more anemic thing to watch. 
uh, and scares defenses a lot less. So you have to take the good with the bad with him. And, you know, I, I'm happy and confident with him being on this team still. And I think down the line, um, as we go to, toward, down towards the end of the season, he'll, he'll make more plays for us. So let's talk about um, – we were talking briefly before we got started here about something's got to give this week with this game between the Bears uh, and the Redskins. My Bears are 1-5 at home. Your Redskins are 0-5 uh, on the road. You yep. know, now, granted, you know the Bears weren't expected to be world beaters at all this year. We had Green Bay, Arizona, uh, you know, Minnesota, Denver, and San Francisco among our, our home uh, opponents uh, this year. So quality of opponent has kind of played a factor in that so far. Has it been the same case with the Redskins this year, or is it that they just don't play well on the road? No, I definitely think the quality of the opponent has been a factor. You know, we mentioned um, playing teams like the Patriots in New England. I mean, what the Eagles did to the Patriots this weekend was unheard of almost in the, in recent history. So, uh, you know, the, the Redskins go to Atlanta, play a team that's hot at the early part of the season and lose in overtime when Cousins throws a pick six. So, I mean, part of the quality of the, of the opponent has been an issue. Another part of the issue, though, or part of the problem, I would say, is it seems like uh, Kirk Cousins seems to play a little too conservatively um, in, in those games. And he's, it seems like he's a little too worried to make the big mistake. Um, and that's one thing that's been kind of making the rounds on the radio and in the airwaves around D.C., is, you know, we almost want to see him open it up a little bit more uh, and not always take that safe check down. And I don't know how much of that he hears uh, internally. Uh, it seems like Jay Gruden is his biggest fan. Um, Coach Jay Gruden is his biggest fan on the team, and he always seems to defend his play. I mean, I'm all for safe quarterback play, but at certain times you'll see where uh, Cousins will take the easy check down play versus – Maybe a, a, a you know a situation where he's got a guy one on one and you could take that shot downfield. Um, so he he tends to take that check down a little too easily and he seems to do it even more on the road. Um, and so that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem for the Redskins and this has been at home and on the road, but it seems to be uh, a little more enhanced on the road is they, they the, the team just can't run the ball. Uh, they they have not been able to run the ball after the first four weeks of the season. They're averaging under four yards a carry, and you have two guys and Alfred Morris and Matt Jones who, you know, Morris has had success in this league, and he, he hasn't had a single season where he didn't rush for 1,000 yards. Um, you have a guy like Matt Jones who kind of is a Marshawn Lynch clone, fast, powerful, makes guys miss and can run you over, uh, but yet the it's just not there. The line's not blocking well. The holes are being missed. So... There's all kinds of things that are going on with the Redskins, and I'm sure the Bears have similar issues uh, where it's just been one thing after another and they just kind of find ways to lose. The Redskins have been doing that, um, and, and you're right. Something has to give. One team is going to do something they don't do very much of this Sunday, and that's win. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I mean, both teams are 5-7. and seven. Uh, I would say, you know, with all due respect, it's much more surprising the Redskins are five and seven at this point. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. in the season, um, I I didn't think they'd win five games all year, let alone uh, be in the position that they're in. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it is it just that they've been better at home? I mean, are they have they been have they been luckier at home? They played a couple of close games with the you know the Buccaneers. They won thirty one to thirty, and you know I don't know what happened in that New Orleans game. You guys just went buck wild in that one, forty seven points 
uh, on New Orleans. I think just running into the worst defense in the history of the league might have been yep. helpful That's uh, there. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's uh, I've been really interested watching in the, the Redskins because, uh, you know, going into the into week one, this was everyone's consensus, like power rankings, number 32 team in yep. the league. And they they lose that first game against Miami and then come in the very next week and beat the Rams. I mean, they beat the Rams 24 to 10 uh, a week after they had gotten done beating the two time defending NFC champion. So, I mean, they've been one of the big mysteries of the season. You know what? How, what's been going on with with the uh, with the Redskins so far well, this year? When they're firing on offense, man, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, Kirk Cousins has—I wouldn't say surprised people, but he has, I think, taken expectations and surpassed them. Uh, like I said, his big weakness seems to be a fear of uh, of, of the mistake. Which, hey, if that's your biggest, mis- you know, biggest uh, flaw, you know, people will take that. Um, but he has the arm, and he has the games where he'll explode for 350 yards or 400 yards and multiple touchdowns. He has the weapons. He's got, um, you know, we talk about Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garcon, Jamison Crowder, Ryan Grant. Um, you know, uh, then you got a Jordan Reed who's, like I said, creates mismatches all over the field. If they are able to run even a little bit, their offense is just powerful, and they can put up points quickly, and the Bears will see that, I'm guessing. Um, Where the weaknesses have been really on this team overall has been the run defense. Um, They have... They just have had a a tough time, even after kind of importing a bunch of new guys on the defensive line, like a Ricky Jean Francois or a Stephen Paya, um, Terrence Knighton. They are just struggling to stop the run. And where they've really seemed to just become overwhelmed is on the rushing attack. Uh, Offenses are running against them easily. Um, And and surprisingly, it's not necessarily the the, the pass defense. Uh, From a pass defensive standpoint, they had a streak going for a while where they hadn't given up a 300 yard passer. Um, and in secondary, you know, in the secondary, they've had a lot of injuries. They've lost Chris Culliver for the season. And what's happened is they found guys who have stepped in and played well. I mean, uh, you have a guy like a Will Blackman who was, you know, on the streets um, most through most of the summer. Redskins brought him in in week two. He's been playing really well. Um, I mean, Brashad Breland has been there. He's a guy that, is long and lengthy, and um, he, he plays tough physical cornerback. Um, you know, he tends to cover the number one guy on each team and, and does well with it. You have a guy, Quentin Dunbar, who was playing wide receiver until up until August, and he's basically the third cornerback right now, and he's playing great ball. Uh, he, he covered Des Bryant well all night on Monday. So the defense has been a surprise. Um, what they're not going to do necessarily is rush the passer very well. Um, you know, you have uh, Ryan Kerrigan, who has six and a half sacks through this through uh, through through the season so far. Not that you know, not that great. Um, he'll have uh, bursts, well, where he'll have a couple games where he'll play great, and then other times he kind of disappears. So, um, I mean, the defense has been the issue, but mostly because teams have just been gutting them with the rush attack. Um, and but I'll tell you, if if the Redskins have the offense clicking, and they're able to just stop the run a little bit. They are a tough. They are a tough team to play, and that's why they've been in this. And you know that's why they're five and seven. They, they they're leading the NFC East right now in what is a terrible division, and it's because 
they have good qualities. And if you catch the Redskins on a on a, on a, on a good day for them, a bad day for you, um, they can gut you. They can they can put up points. It'll be interesting to see which team shows up this Sunday. Yeah, that's one of the things that I that kind of makes me nervous about the game. It, it was one of those things that that had me nervous a few weeks ago when we played the St. Louis Rams mm-hmm. because where are we going to get that team? that stuck it to the Seattle Seahawks week one or the team that went and got spanked by the Redskins the week after that. Right. We we're going to get that team that went on the road to Arizona and, and blasted the Cardinals and then, you know, a week later couldn't score a touchdown against the team that lost Ben Roethlisberger early in the first half. Right. So I, this, it didn't, this league makes no sense anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. And the Redskins have been one of those teams where – it's just like this is the week that you think they're absolutely okay. Well, the Buccaneers they're they're actually pretty hot right now and you know, they're going into Washington. They're they're better than the Redskins. We'll 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 go, you know, I'll go ahead and take Tampa Bay there and then the Redskins beat them. And you know, uh going in there playing the Falcons the way they did, one mistake away from not losing that game. Yep. Uh you know, and and so on. It's it's been a crazy crazy year and the NFC East, the division in which you guys dwell is uh a perfect example of how whacked out this season has been. Yeah. Three, five, and seven teams all vying for first place with the last place four and eight Cowboys only a game out of the playoff picture in the division. So what's what's the what's the story with this with the division i mean is it injuries that's killing everybody or oh yeah well I mean, that plays a that plays a role i mean you have to think the cowboys would be a much better team if they hadn't lost romo yeah for so many games and then of course now he's gone for the season um you know the eagles they've had internal strife all year long right sam bradford missed a couple of games and 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 even when he's in you know he's not the guy that people were hoping he was going to be at quarterback uh, he just looks scared back there to me sometimes. <laughs> and they can't figure out who they want their running back to be. Either. No, and they have too many mouths to feed, and no one's happy. And I kind of thought that might be the case when they made that run at all those free agent running backs. Um, but you know, so they don't have enough balls to go around. And then, of course, you know, the Eagles got rid of Macklin and McCoy, and now they're doing well in other cities. So, you know, you have to wonder about the Eagles. But then again, then they're capable of going up to New England and beating a team like the Patriots. Um, I. I will say I still think the Eagles will not make any waves this year. Um, I think they will fall back. I, the, the reason they beat the Patriots last week were kind of these crazy uh, one-time plays where they had these, you know, kick return or returns for touchdowns, and I think there was a blocked punt in there somewhere that they returned for a touchdown. You can't expect that every week. Um, so I, I don't think the Eagles will 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 uh, be something to fear as we go. Um, I, I think the Cowboys will will end up being who they are right now, which is a team led by an old Matt Castle with very little talent on offense, uh, you know, decent defense, but very little talent on offense after Des Bryant. Um, so I, I don't think the Cowboys will make any hay in this, in, in this division. I think it's going to come down to the Redskins and the Giants, actually. Um, the Giants, I, I, I've called them the cockroach of the league before because that's exactly what they are. When anyone counts them down, that's when they step up. Um, and they always just seem to find a way. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to the Redskins and the Giants. And then uh, we'll just have to see how it all works out. I mean, one of the things that the Giants have in their favor, of course, the Redskins being bad on the road and having the next three of the last four games um, on the road. So they'll have to, the Redskins will have to turn things around to, uh, to win this, this division. Yeah, and this and uh, what you just described there—the Giants and the Redskins being in it at the end—is the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to be <laughs> right. this year. I thought right. it was going to be Cowboys and Eagles fighting for it at until the very end, not you not and this way. Else. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, absolutely. 
You and everyone else. Believe so, me, I, I, I did a few uh, shows across the country discussing this division um, before the season started, and uh, it was tough. Everyone pretty much looked at the Redskins as a laughing stock, um, and it just seems like whenever a team is viewed that way, outside of the Cleveland Browns, they seem to turn it around. You know, I remember before the 2014 season, the, the Cowboys were, were the laughing stock. They had lost too many people. They weren't going to be good. What do they do? They go out and they win the division. So, you know, anything's possible in this league. And some people will say, well, you know, a division like this, it's so bad. None of these teams should have a home field, home team, have a home game in the playoffs. None of these teams should be even in the mix. Bottom line is, it's what makes the league fun. I think you know, yeah. I mean, you got you got these teams that are up and they're down. They're capable of good things on certain weeks, and in the end, it's going to come down to the last four games here, and that's exactly what the NFL wants. They want this. This is what they hope for, uh, and they're getting it. You know, the funny thing about those teams that that even get in with losing records, um, yeah. you know, you go back a couple years ago, the the Seahawks. Won the division at seven and nine, I think in two thousand ten. They won a playoff game last year. The Panthers seven eight and one. They won their division last year. They won a playoff game uh, last year. So I mean, I mean these guys. I mean they show that they're they they deserve to be there by making a statement and winning a playoff game. So you you'd have to wonder. Not to mention with the Redskins being as tough as they have been at home this year. That if the Redskins get in there and they host a playoff game. It's not going to be completely out of the realm of possibilities. Redskins will win a home playoff game, so not at all, not you know, at all, and not it's, at all. It's it's crazy completely to right. even consider, but yeah, um, you're completely right. And I mean, and honestly, the league, this the NFL is in this league, and you and you've kind of seen it over the last fifteen to twenty years. It's all about getting hot at the right time, right? And you'll have a team like the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl. You know, they just no one thought much of them. They got in though, and they run the table, and they're just hot. And so, like you said, I mean. It just takes one team heating up. You know, it doesn't matter how they get in, but uh, you, you get in, you get in the dance, and then you win a you win a game or two. And next thing you know, you're in the championship game. So it's it's just kind of crazy. But honestly, again, the beauty of this league is that everyone has a chance. It seems. Well, you know, I th- I think one of the things that made the Redskins a quote unquote laughing stock, especially going into the year, was just what a mess the quarterback situation had become, and 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 the fact that that Jay Gruden is. Uh, exactly like his brother as far as being just kind of outspoken and brash and not really caring too much about anyone else's opinion as far as uh, you know him declaring his love for one quarterback or the other and you know it, it basically it just did not look good as far as what the relationship between Gruden and RG3 was going to be and then then the preseason happened and then just before you know it Kirk Cousins is the quarterback no matter what. I mean, just closing the door on RG3 possibly being the starter somewhere down the road, God forbid, no. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for 2015, and that's the end of it. What what was the, the mood around the team like when that happened? Well, there seemed to be no secret that there was a lot of internal strife and different powers that be pulling in different directions uh, at the quarterback position. Um, there's no secret that Dan Snyder uh, loves RG3, and uh, you know obviously the team made a huge move back in 2012 to get him, giving up multiple first-round picks, and then of course you know he leads that the, the team on that magical 2012 season, where you know he, he's he's not just they're not just winning, they're doing it in style, and, and Griffin is the the sexy player in the NFL. His jerseys are selling like hotcakes. 
Dan Snyder's making tons of money. They beat the Cowboys in the last game of the season to make the playoffs. And it, it was just a, an amazing season. Well, Dan Snyder doesn't forget that stuff. I mean, he's very loyal, uh, at least in that sense, with players. So, you know, Dan Snyder um, and, and um, you know, Dan, Dan Snyder and, and um, Bruce are fighting hard to keep RG3 <laughs> at the helm of this team. And it's just uh, then on the other side, on the other side, of course, you have Gruden and Scott McLuhan and Scott McLuhan was brought in as general manager uh, this offseason. And he's known as a terrific talent evaluator. And so you got the feeling that these two different forces were kind of fighting against each other. In the end, it came down to Gruden was the head coach. And he named Griffin the starter, and it felt like around here that he kind of just did it to placate the powers that be, and also to put it to bed in the media because there was a lot of discuss discussion of who's you know who's going to lead this team after the the anemic offense that well, there was last season. So he put he makes that statement. It's out there. Well, then we play a few preseason games. Griffin can't do anything right. He doesn't look good. He's not getting rid of the ball. He's taking sacks. He just looked terrible. And I think that was all Gruden needed to see. Um, you know, it was interesting. Kirk Cousins had been working out with John Gruden in the offseason. And then there, it just seemed to be no secret that with the Gruden boys, uh, they, they were big and all in on Cousins. And I have to say that, you know, what Cousins has done this season has really um, made Gruden look good. I mean, uh, Cousins has shown, I think, that he, he can play in this league and that he can possibly be a top top 15 quarterback um you have that you see these games where he 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 just lights it up he's he's hitting people all over the field what his biggest strength tends to be is that he spreads the ball all around i mean in so many games he's hit seven to eight to nine different receivers he's not relying on one person and you know as a as a coach gruden has to love that so so um you know what i think in the end what what cousins is doing right now is showing that the decision gruden made was a correct one um but you know make no mistake it was a gutsy call uh, he was going against his bosses basically to make this pick make this call and you're right he when he came out and announced it he didn't just say he's our quarterback for week 1 he said he's our quarterback for the 2015 season and i will say right now hey being in first place and you know being a competitive team right now it was it seemed to be the right call to make so i mean the reason that i found it so interesting was that when we talked we were talking about how your head coach and your GM, which you just described as being on one side of the debate and the ownership being on the other, but we talked about how Gruden and McLuhan were guys that were on different timelines, that, that Gruden was a guy that really kind of needed to win now if he wanted to be around in 2016, whereas McLuhan is playing the long game and trying to, to build towards a better future right. uh, for the Redskins. And we, right. we kind of talked about that being as why the Redskins drafted the way that they did. Um, you know, going after an offensive lineman when they could have gone for like an impact player like a Leonard Williams or or somebody like that that was sitting at number five, and and now now they're on the same team with this with uh, with this uh, quarterback uh, debate. So that's what I thought w- what was was interesting about you know when we talked about this. It kind of like you know Gruden's probably gone anyway, and McLuhan's building the team as though. You know, no matter what, you know, regardless of who's going to be around, McLuhan's going to do it his way, and Gruden's just going to have to deal with it. Well, and in these situations, I mean, Gruden was not McLuhan's guy. You know, right. Gruden was here first. 
And I, it's, it's, it's one of those interesting cases where, you know, going into the season, like you, you know, like we discussed, it didn't look good. It, it, the, the, whenever you have a, a situation where you have two people on different timelines, it tends to not work. And this is one of those situations where it is kind of working. I mean, like I said, they're not lighting the world on fire, but they are competitive. And again, I'll still repeat this. McLuhan didn't go into, he even mentioned on other radio shows that he did that, Hey, we're rebuilding. This is a, this is going to take a few years. And, you know, Gruden's of course, not looking at it like that. So, you know, I, I mean, I look back at the teams of the glory years with the Redskins from the eighties and nineties. And there are a lot of stories where, you know, there were epic battles between Joe Gibbs and Jack Kent cook and Bobby Bethard, um, and then Charlie Casserly later when, you know, Casserly took over for Bobby Bethard. Um, you know, in a way, it's good to have multiple minds and, and multiple things kind of going on behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, it comes down to how the, the play on the field is. And in this set, in this case, Gruden took a, a whopper, a whopper of a chance. He said, I, you know, I'm going to sit down the franchise. I'm going to sit down the guy you guys traded three number one picks for. I'm going with my guy. Uh, and if it didn't work, Gruden would have been out of here really quick. Um, but it looks like, you know, with four games left to go, short of a complete meltdown, Gruden will be back. Cousins, I think, will be back. I, I, you know, there's talk of an extension. Um, you know, if they can even get one with him, you know, I think he's going to be a guy, if he does make it to free agency, he's going to be wanted by several teams. He, he, like I said, he's shown he can play in this league and he can put up big numbers and he's still young. I think he's 24, 25 years old. So, um, so, so what's happened is Gruden's bet paid off. I mean, really did. And here we are, uh, towards the end of the season where we're in this thing and, um, you know, there's a chance, there's a chance that Kirk Cousins could lead this team to a division championship. Yeah, that just, uh, <laughs> which, just... which sounds hilarious if you rewind back to, you know, 14 weeks ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does actually. So, you know, I mean, I honestly thought that, that, going with cousins was the was the right move that it was the smart move and that you know rg3 maybe it's just not going to work out in washington if it works out at all i mean he's he's got a skill set that lends itself well to the nfl and doesn't all at the same time so it's just he's got to be able to catch lightning in a bottle which he did in 2012 and hasn't since then so what do you think the future for rg3 is and i mean don't you didn't you guys pick up his option for 2016 well, that, we did, but of course they can they can cut the terms um, as long as he's healthy. They can cut him and not have to worry about the money. So he will he won't he he's not going to get that sixteen million dollars. Um, he's not going to play. They've been hiding him, keeping him in bubble wrap all season long. Once the decision was made to go with Cousins, um, I think they've just been basically keeping him. Um, buried for now. Um, they wanted to not, they, what they were worried about um, was letting him go and then having him go somewhere like to Philadelphia and just taking off. That may still yet happen, but they weren't going to let that happen this year. So he will be gone. Um, I wish him well. I, I think, uh, you know, as a player, um, I think he catches a lot of flack um, for things that he probably doesn't deserve. He does say things sometimes that come that just rub a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but I, I do think, I, I mean, a lot of Redskins fans like me, we, you know, have good memories of him, even if it was just that one season. And so I, I, I hope he ends up somewhere in like New York the, for the Jets and, 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 and they can somehow turn him around. The problem he's going to have 
is he wants to be a pocket passer and he is just not a pocket passer. <laughs> he just doesn't have the skill um, that's necessary or, and I think more than physically, I think it's the, the mental part of it. Uh, he's a very smart guy, but he's extremely indecisive and he doesn't trust his eyes and he's got the arm strength. I mean, he can wing it like the, with the best of them, but he just doesn't seem to trust what he sees in front of him. And he, what what the the big knock on him was, is he would throw to players at where they were and not throw to spots. So not throw where they were going to be, but throw to where they were. And so when you're waiting for that, um, he he was getting sacked a ton in the preseason, and it, you could just see the the different the difference the way the offense operated when when a McCoy Colt McCoy or a Kirk Cousins came in, and that's why Cousins won the job. So. Griffin, uh, the problem with him, too, is he's physically built slight. He almost looks like a wide receiver out there. Right. So we have a guy in in Seattle like Russell who can um, just, uh, you know, he can take he, – he, he tends to be very good at avoiding the big hit. He, he can slide. Um, uh, you know, he, he tends to uh, keep himself safe. Um, and so Russell Wilson can run that offense and he'll, he'll, he'll get out of bounds or he'll make the, you know, he'll slide with it at the appropriate time. Griffin was never good at that. So he was getting pounded to the point where, you know, he has lost a little speed. He's not, his knees aren't the same, you know, that they used to be obviously with two reconstructive surgeries on the right knee, you're not going to be the same. So I don't know what the future holds for, for Griffin. I do wish him well somewhere far, far away where it doesn't impact the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I, I don't know unless he changes his mind and is willing to run more of a hybrid offense instead of just thinking he can be that pocket passer like a Peyton Manning. Um, he's going to have to change his mindset uh, before he'll be successful anywhere in this league. I'm sure someone will take a flyer on him. He'll be in the league somewhere. Um, I just don't know. He, he's going to have to change. A, there's going to someone's going to put a lot of time and work into him for him to, for it to work in this league. All right. So as we wrap things up here, let's let's get back to the to the game on 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 Sunday. And you know, the the one thing like we talked about a little bit earlier was depends on which team shows up as to how much we bear fans have to worry about right uh, on Sunday. I mean, if if it's the team that's going to come in uh like it did against the Saints and put up points in bunches and things like that, then obviously we're going to have to prepare ourselves uh for a shootout, but you know, if I'm the if I'm John Fox, if I'm Adam Gase or if I'm Vic Fangio, the guys that are, you know, calling the plays and such, what should be my game plan to beat the Redskins on Sunday? Well, I'd run Matt Forte all day long. Um, uh, he, he's back and healthy, um, and uh, I would just keep pounding the ball with him. I know, I guess Martellus Bennett's out for the year now. Yeah, but um, a guy like an Alshon Jeffrey, he's he, you know, he he should have he he's it's very capable, uh, very possible that he'll have a big game. But I think if the Bears can just run the football, keep the Redskins' offense off the field, that's their best bet, and and in games where the Redskins have been beaten and some in some cases beaten badly, it's because the other team was able to run the ball, run the ball, and big five and seven and eight yard chunks keep that that drive going and just keep the Redskins offense off. And if that happens and the Redskins get behind early, they're not necessarily built to come back from that. Um, they just aren't. And um, so I think that's the the prescription for the bears is just get as much as you can out of Matt Forte. And I think, I think that would probably do it. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, I can definitely uh, definitely take that. Um, you know, because the the thing that worries me is though uh, that is generally the game plan that I would go with, considering how explosive the Redskins can be with Deshaun Jackson, with Pierre Garcon, yep. uh, and so on. Um, it's the the thing that worries me is that the deficiency the Bears have on offense, the big one that they have. Is like time of possession, we had nearly 14 minutes on the 49ers this past Sunday. Mm. And that's been a theme for the Bears. They dominate time of possession because they have been better at running the football this year. It's They can't close. They don't finish. They, they get to the red zone, and it's field goals. Mm. They, they have no trouble. They have monumental trouble getting themselves into the end zone. So even if we could put you know seven field goals on the board, it's only going to take a couple of touchdowns for the Redskins to get themselves into the game. So... You know that's that's the part that scares me. So I I think it's it's more on the Bears' offense, uh, getting into the end zone, not so much running the ball and keeping the ball away from the offense. Right. We got to finish well, uh, this week in order. What I to can beat tell you, guys. I'm looking at Matt Forte's yards per carry at 3.9. I guarantee you he'll be over that in this game. Um. So Lankford is better though. And and yeah, and I know Lankford was when he was playing. Now now tell me, Matt Forte was back last week or the week before. He was back against Green Bay, so he's been back for two weeks. Two now. weeks. So, uh, I mean, honestly, between the two of them, they could both have big games. <laughs> because you'll see that um, this this defensive line the Redskins have, even though they they look like you know they're 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 big guys like a Chris Baker and a, and a Terrence Titan, they can get pushed around, and um, I think. Um, for the you know, I'll say this again: where uh, where teams have have beaten the Redskins, and especially on the road, it seems has been just ground and pound um, to the point where they don't even have to throw the ball very much because the Redskins can't. The Redskins defense can't get off the field; they're giving up too many big chunks in the running game. And I don't see any reason why the Bears couldn't accomplish that on Sunday. Um, the Redskins on on the other side of it, they've got to just they've got to stop this. They've got to stop letting that happen. Um, it really wasn't as much of the case against the, the Cowboys um, on Monday, but in the, in the historically in recent history of this season, it's because the other team was successfully able to really just keep running the ball, and that's where the Bears, that's the Bears are going to have to make their hay that way. Well, if if I'm the if I'm the Redskins, um, the way that I would attack the Bears is to go deep early because if like a, with our deficiencies in the red zone finishing off drives and getting touchdowns if you guys are up 14 to nothing early in the first quarter that's a pretty decent cushion for you guys to kind of coast on uh throughout because it's going to take the bears three or four drives to get 14 points right right uh this year so that's well and that is the beauty of a deshaun jackson because he's really the only guy that scares defenses on you know on stretch plays and um where the Redskins seem to really have a lot of success with that is off the play action. And it's amazing to me because defenses are still buying the play action, even though the Redskins aren't running the ball well. And so, and this has been happening for weeks. And so the running attack stalls, 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 and yet the Redskins run a bootleg or some kind of play action. And man, it freezes the safety still. And of course, Deshaun, you give him one step and he's gone. Uh, yeah. And so that's, yeah, I, if I'm the Bears, I'm afraid of that. Um, and, of course, again, Jordan Reed in the middle. Watch for him. They like to do a lot of bootlegs to him. Um, and, and he's just, his speed and size, he's a huge matchup problem. 
Um, and then, you know, at this point, the Redskins rushing attack, that's just not something the Bears have to worry about. It just hasn't been there. <laughs> so I will say this, though. Another thing that the Redskins have done successfully in a few victories is they've run these screen passes uh, to to Matt Jones. And when he gets in the open field, he'll take them. He'll take them a long, long way. So that's the other thing I would look for off these bootleg plays. They'll sometimes uh, he that Matt Jones coming across the middle or, or just set up a screen for Matt Jones and he'll take it 80 yards before you blink. So that's another thing you have to watch for. Food for thought there, Bear <laughs> fans. Something to look forward to uh, on Sunday. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Mike, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the uh, – on the show, and uh, maybe we'll see if we can find an excuse or two to have you back uh, at the at the end of the season. Absolutely. Love to be back on with you. It'll be a good game on Sunday. We'll see what happens. All right. Looking forward to it. Mike Harar, Hogshaven.com on SB Nation, talking Bears and Redskins, week number 14. So just want to thank Mike Carrar one more time for being back on the show. Like I said, uh, you know, going to try to figure out something to do during this offseason to stay a little bit busier than, than I have uh, in past years because I'm just having too much fun doing this. Honestly, I, I really am. So I just want to keep, keep this rolling. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have all of our teams back on the show at some point to kind of review what's gone on uh, this season. We had them on before. We've had them on during. Now let's get him back on after and uh, talk to him and see what uh, you know how we feel about the aftermath. Maybe we'll wait till after the Super Bowl when the season is completely done before we uh, before we do that. So maybe maybe take a little break during the playoffs and uh, and and come back after the season is wrapped up and and start getting everybody back on. And uh, that should put us right into the uh, free agency and the draft and just keep this bad boy rolling uh, once and uh, once and for all. You know what I mean? So, before we wrap up the uh the show here, as uh, you may or may not have as I told as I talked about in the week 13 uh review show, I posted the official announcement on Facebook, the spread the word challenge or contest, whatever you want to call it, giveaway uh for an official Chicago Bears review poster. The contest officially begins with this show, the week 14 preview episode uh of the Chicago Bears review and it's it's easy to, to 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 score points to to earn uh, points towards uh, winning the contest. Just spread the word. Uh, you, you, if you retweet or you know favorite the announcement on that I show that I do on Twitter, the address at Shy Bears Review C H I Bears uh, Review. Um, whenever I make the announcement on the Chicago Bears Review page, or if you if you're a friend on uh, Facebook, you share my post where I announce the uh, the show points for that i only have like three or four reviews on itunes for the show which is technically my fault because i've changed my feed on itunes about six times but i could use a few more of those so if you go on itunes and give the show five stars four stars whatever your honest rating of the show is i don't care go on there make a review points for that as well leave a comment on the Podbean uh page for the chicago bears review points for that any way that you can get the show out there 
you know, to it, uh, whoever it is that's out there, bring more traffic in and, and you know, let's share the show with the world. I mean, the 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 the, the following that I have, it's a, it's a pretty small one, but it's a very loyal one. And if you guys love the show as much as I do. Let's get the word out there and share it with with other bear fans who should be listening to it with us. You know what I'm saying? So any way that you can promote the show and get it out there, spread the word and I catch wind of it points points for that as well so and uh we're gonna go through it over the next eight shows and we're going to announce the winner of the contest on the year in review episode sometime in uh in early january after the bears wrap it up with the with the lions on january 3rd so you know we got uh, we're gonna have two winners and i have two different styles of the uh of the poster i made basically just kind of flat i call it flat but it's just plain Plain colors with the Chicago Bears review uh, logo, and then the second one is kind of a a mesh texture to it. It looks like it's on a jersey, and that's kind of what the what the, I mean. You see the the holes in the mesh in the background, and it's like kind of on the stripes that the like the GSH for the Bears uh, on their shoulders and such, and then the Chicago Bears review kind of patch look uh, there as well. So you get. You get to you get your choice. Either you you get one of the flat ones or you get the the mesh colored one. And wherever you just happen to be in the world is where I'm going to send it. So, you know, I'm going to get it out to you wherever you are. I found out that um, uh, is it Alex Hargraves is in Hong Kong. So if he wins, I'm sending a poster to freaking Hong Kong. If Malcolm Fell wins, my good friend from the UK, be sending it overseas to all those limeys over there in uh, in London. So. You know, whoever, wherever you are, if you're in London or the UK, which would be the same place because I'm not stupid, uh, or in Hong Kong, or you know, I think we've had people from Italy and uh, and and so on all over the place. Or if you're like our good friend Tim, Uncle Bear Sanchez out there in California, I believe he's in California. Pretty sure he's in California. I'll be sending it just a few thousand miles away from where I am here uh, in in the in the Midwest of the country uh, to him out there. So. Go ahead, spread the word, earn the points. We'll see who the winners are when the dust clears uh, on the year in review show. So go ahead and uh, and uh, do that. And uh, just real quick, um, before we wrap things up here, as we're wrapping things up, um, this thing on, on Sunday with the Bears, um, we just have to avoid self-inflicted wounds like we did last week against San Francisco. And then we got to be we got to be smart on defense. We can't have any mental lapses in the entire 60 minutes cuz that's happened to us twice this year. It happened to us against Minnesota and it happened to us against San Francisco where the defense for the most part was suffocating. You know, we were after Gabbert, we sacked him four times. They had zero running game. They really couldn't do anything in the passing game. They basically put together one decent drive in the football game which is basically what the san francisco offense has been good for this year and then mental lapses allowed blaine gabbert to score a 40-yard touchdown on the ground and another mental lapse 71-yard touchdown that ended up losing us uh the game we have to be mentally strong on defense no no uh no slips uh you know we can't play solid 58 minutes and then blow it in the last two kind of like we did against minnesota uh, about what six weeks ago uh, we can't have things like that. So, And then on offense, plain and simple, you heard me talk about it with Mike, the Bears have an inability to finish in the red zone. They they settle for field goals when we need touchdowns. And we just, I mean, it's, you know, beating a dead horse here. 
sound like a broken record over and over again. We got to get the ball in the end zone. I know that's what they're trying to do, but we actually need to do it. So Mike believes that if uh, you know the the Bears get out ahead, that the Redskins aren't a team that's built to come back. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think the Redskins are a little too explosive with with weapons like Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, Jordan Reed uh, on that size. Um, you know these are one these are big play guys. So you know it uh, we can't go out there and and settle for three field goals when it only takes one big play to Deshaun Jackson for Washington to be right back in the game. So. We got to be able to finish on offense, put the necessary points on the board instead of settling uh, for field goals, and uh, you know try to knock the Redskins out of this thing, uh, this thing early. So that's uh, that's my two cents on what we need to do uh, this Sunday against the Skins. So that is going to do it for the Week 14 preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. Be sure to come back on Monday when we will review this game against the Redskins. See how things shook out on sunday very interested to see how this one's going to shake out because uh you know it really wasn't until mike that i realized that uh maybe the redskins are another st louis rams or a schizophrenic team and we'll see which one shows up to soldier field uh on sunday so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.